Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. We are now live, moving on into Second Chronicles. How are you guys doing? We're going to be in chapter 10, 11, and 12 today. And we're having another perfect Vallarta morning here. As usual, we want to guess the temperature. It's cool today, only 81 outside. And we have our our normal, like, mm, what's the precipitation chance? 74% today. Starting at 4 p.m., you can almost set your clock by it. We get a lot of rain now, from now through September. It's kind of nice. It really cools things down. I look forward to it. I wish the rain would actually start a little earlier. But, be that as it may, we are going to read through these three chapters, jump over to 2 Corinthians. So we are back in the thick of things, um, taking a step back. Interesting, in um, going back to King David and Solomon's life and Rehoboam's life, backing up a little bit and looking at those from the Chronicles perspective rather than Kings. Hmm. Okay. Well, to begin with, uh, we'll throw in our dad joke for the day, maybe two. I like this one. It's pretty good. Uh, Why did Mozart kill all his chickens? Because when he asked him who the best composer was, all they could say was, Bach, Bach, Bach. Pretty good. Mm, Let's see what the other one, the other one was for today. What's Bread's favorite number? 11. Of course. You guys knew that. So if you will, please find your place in your Bibles. We will open up the Word and get right into it. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for our time we can spend together. Encouraging one another, building one another up, God, iron sharpens iron, so help us, God, as we read your word and understand these things, talk about them, communicate them, and help one another to grow in Christ. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, I haven't mentioned this in a long time, and don't don't feel compelled to use it if you don't want to, but at calvarypv.com, there is the little button that says watch live, and there... You actually can talk one to another if you so desire. There's a a chat room there. And we haven't really been using it, but uh, it is available if anyone feels um, the desire, especially if there's new people. Somebody that's never read the Bible uh, and you want to encourage them and they're nowhere near you, say, hey, let's do this together. I'll be listening every day and I'll be on calvaryp.com. I'll watch live and... I'll say hi to you, or you can say hi to me, and uh, you can actually talk about what the Bible says there. That's the intent was to really encourage um, a lot of interaction between people that were listening to sermons. Uh, It also was on during the sermon time on Sundays, and that kind of thing. We're a small, friendly group. We all pretty much know each other, and we kind of say hi to each other through, through Facebook or something, and that's fine. You don't have to use it, but I just want you to know it's there. All right. Let's begin. Father God, just bless this time and again and help us to see these things as you want us to see them. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 10, verse 1, Rehoboam's reign of folly. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from the presence of the king of King Solomon, Jeroboam returned from Egypt. So they sent and summoned him, and when Jeroboam and all Israel came, they spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Return to me again in three days. So the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me to answer this people? They spoke to him, saying, If you will be kind to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to the people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam. On the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Return to me on the third day. The king answered them harshly, and King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the elders. He spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from God that the Lord might establish his word, which he spoke through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your own tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So all Israel departed to their tents. But as for the sons of Israel, who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadram, who was over the forced labor, and the sons of Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Chapter 11. Now when Rehoboam had come to Jerusalem, he assembled the house of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel in Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus says the Lord, You shall not go up and fight against your relatives. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the words of the Lord and returned from going against Jeroboam. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. Thus he built Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa. Beth-Zur, Soko, Adullam, Gath, Merasha, 
Zif, Adarim, Lachish, Azika, Zorah, Ajalon, and Hebron, which are fortified cities in Judah and in Benjamin. He also strengthened the fortresses and put officers in them and stores of food, oil, and wine. He put shields and spears in every city and strengthened them greatly. So he held Judah and Benjamin. Moreover, the priests and the Levites who were in all Israel stood with him from all districts. Verse 14, for the Levites left their pasture lands and their property and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his son had excluded them from serving as priests to the Lord. He sets up priests of his own for the high places and for the, the styres and for the calves which he had made. Those from all the tribes of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord God of Israel followed them to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. 17. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, for three years, for they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. Then Rehoboam took as a wife Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, and Abihail, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse. And she bore him sons, Jeshu, Shemariah, and Zaham. After her, he took Makkah, the daughter of Absalom, and she bore him Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shiliomith. Rehoboam loved Makkah, the daughter of Absalom, more than all his other wives and concubines, for he had taken 18 wives and 60 concubines and fathered 28 sons and 60 daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Makkah, as head and leader among his brothers, and he intended to make him king. He acted wisely and distributed some of his sons through all the territories of Judah and Benjamin to all the fortified cities, and he gave them food in abundance. And he sought many wives for them. Chapter 12. When the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and strong, he and all Israel with him forsook the law of the Lord. And it came about in Rehoboam's fifth year, because he had been unfaithful to the Lord that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen. And the people who came with him from Egypt were without number, the Lubim, the Shekim, and the Ethiopians. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah, the prophet, came to Rehoboam and the princes of Judah who had gathered at Jerusalem because of Shishak. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, so I have forsaken you to Shishak. So the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, O Lord, the Lord is righteous. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, so I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some measure of deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by means of Shishak. But they will become his slaves so that they may learn the difference between my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. Verse 9. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's palace. He took everything. He even took the golden shields which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made shields of bronze in their place and committed them to the care of the commanders of the guard who guarded the door of the king's house. As often as the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards came and carried them and then brought them back to the guard's room. And when he humbled himself, 
The anger of the Lord turned away from him so as not to destroy him completely. And also conditions were good in Judah. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama the Ammonites. He did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Now the acts of Rehoboam from first to last, are they not written in the records of Shemaiah the prophet and of Edu the seer according to genealogical enrollment? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And his son Abijah became king in his place. So not a good start to the reign of Rehoboam. He was an arrogant, spoiled kid in, in one sense. His father had built his kingdom up to its glorious pinnacle. But what we miss in Chronicles when we get in Kings, as you remember, was just how completely apostate Solomon became. And this is what his son saw. He forsook the Lord. He married all of these foreign wives. They turned his heart away from the Lord. And he starts building these massive temples all over the place, numerous, one temple to each one of his God, the gods of each one of his wives. Rather than trying to get his wives to convert to Judaism and worship the one true God, he builds them temples for their own God. How is this the wisest man in the world? This is one of those questions I just constantly scratch my head going, did God take away the wisdom because he forsook the Lord? Did he just become like mentally deficient? I don't know. But Rehoboam sees all this and he, as an adult, makes up his own mind. What he's interested in is the power and the control. Not like this grandfather David, not like Solomon in early life, to be a servant of Yahweh, the true king of Israel. No, he wants to be king. And so he proves it when Jeroboam comes and says, you know, be light on us, we'll be your faithful servants. He says, no. Puffs up, I'm going to make everything harder on you. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to be the toughest king around. And they say, they, they take it. Now, again, it says that God made him do that in a sense because Ahijah, uh, whatever prophet was, had um, prophesied to Jeroboam that he would be king over the north because God was breaking them away God was allowing them to go off into idolatry because that's where their hearts were already. So God just allows the north to go north. They don't even allow the Levites to be priests. They don't even, they don't even try and pretend they're going to worship Yahweh the way Yahweh prescribed. They start getting their own priests and say, all right, we're going to worship our concept of God. <laughs> you hear this all, all the time now. I worship God in my own way. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. This is the beginning. This is Jeroboam. So they're going to make their own calves. And certain theologians feel that they were doing what they did in Egypt. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to include Yahweh in our worship. We're going to worship the calf goddess, but we're going to kind of identify Yahweh with him because we like to mix all this stuff up and party and, and not tell, have God tell us what to do with the law. You know? And so they did this, and we see how that went, a disaster. And, but Rehoboam's not doing much better. He's not seeking after the Lord himself. Even though the temple's there, the priesthood is there, he's no longer going and offering sacrifice, it would seem, like the early days of his father or grandfather. 
And again, they've spent they spent years building this temple. They developed the system. We see the glorious Shekinah glory of God coming down. This is very soon after the height of worship of Yahweh. Everything is going perfect. The people are getting blessed. And then he decides, nah, I'm not interested. And so God simply says, all right, you're not interested? You don't want to follow after me? Allow Shishak to come in and take it all away. Now, he doesn't take him into captivity at this point. But basically, we, we find out that the empty worship that was being offered there, God was not going to honor. And so he just, he just allows it all to be taken away. Very, very sad. Second Corinthians chapter 3 now. Ministers of the New Covenant. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need some letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stone came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, how much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For if indeed what had glory, in this case, has no glory, because of the glory that surpasses it, for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this end, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Well, Peter has mentioned that Paul, there are some things that Paul says that are hard to understand. I think he was referring to this chapter in one sense because on the surface when you first read it, you go, wow, that's a, that's kind of hard to understand. But again, you can just get the, the overarching concept. The law was glorious. We see the Shekinah glory coming down in the temple. It was all established um, around this whole worship of the system where the ark was, and in the ark was the, the Ten Commandments, and it was from there that the radiator, the glory of God, came out of the temple. So there was a glory to it because it was the guidebook for mankind on how to walk with God. It did not bring man salvation, 
but it was the guidebook. The, the salvation that was there would, was always really linked to faith, the faith of Abraham, the faith in, in the coming Messiah, the faith that, God, that Yahweh was the only one and true God, and to worship him was to be faithful to him in all things, unlike Rehoboam. And maintaining that faith that he has established his kingdom and he is coming and he was going to bring his Messiah. So this was all glorious. But when they read the law, there was a veil of not understanding the greater glory that was coming and the purpose behind the law to be the tutor to bring us to the feet of Christ, to understand we needed a savior. We needed grace and, and mercy of God. So mankind was misinterpreting it and getting caught up in the works of it. And, and so there was a veil over their face, a veil over their eyes. But that veil is taken away in Christ. It, it, it taken away when, when mankind realizes that it is, is not by the works of the law that any flesh can really be saved and, and made right with, with God eternally. And so the, this veil is taken away, and it's a greater glory. It's a beautiful thing. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, let's, again, writing to these guys. They're getting caught up with these false teachers, saying, don't listen to Paul. Go back to Judaism, Judaizers, doing all this other stuff. And he's saying, you know, there's, there's a blindness, and it's still over Israel today. The blindness is still there. People can't see it until that veil is lifted away, and they go, wow. <laughs> this is amazing. Freedom in Christ. It's a good thing. All right, Charles Spurgeon, their soul shall be as a watered garden. Jeremiah 31, 12. Oh, to have one soul under heavenly cultivation, no longer a wilderness, but a garden of the Lord, enclosed from the waste, walled around by grace, planted by instruction, visited by love, weeded by heavenly discipline, and guarded by divine power. One's favored soul is prepared to yield fruit unto the Lord. But a garden may become parched for want of water, and then all its herbs decline and are ready to die. Oh, my soul, how soon would this be the case were the Lord to leave thee? In the east, a garden without water soon ceases to be a garden at all. Nothing can come to perfection, grow, or even live when irrigation is kept up. The result is charming. Oh, to have one's soul watered by the Holy Spirit uniformly. Every part of the garden having its own stream, plentiful and sufficient. Refreshment coming to every tree and herb. However thirsty by nature it may be, continually each hour bringing not only its heat, but its refreshment wisely, each plant receiving just what it needs. In a garden you can see by the verdure where the water flows, and you can soon perceive that when the Spirit of God comes, O Lord, water me this day and cause me to yield thee a full reward for Jesus' sake. Amen. We want to display to the world our verdue, if I pronounce that right. Our vegetation, our green leaves, I guess. Green leaves in the desert. Beautifully written, of course, that when the Spirit waters, there is growth, as Paul was saying to the people. I may plant, and uh, Barnabas may water, but the growth comes by the Spirit of God, which it does. And so this is why we read through the Word of God every day, asking God to, to continue to pour out His Holy Spirit upon us and bring in the growth. Well, let's pray. 
Thank you, Father, for this wonderful, beautiful day. We do pray for the uh, the west coast of Florida, now looking uh, squarely at a hurricane, it would seem. Pray that you um, just downgrade that to a, just uh, some nice rain for them. But God, we ask for protection there. And uh, we ask for your protection upon us, wherever we are, from these harsh environments, God. And these uh, hurricanes, uh, the also the tornadoes they can go through as well as the earthquakes so many violent things and now we understand the fires as well we do pray for the continued recuperation for hawaii over there and uh, the devastation of these families and that they would get to the bottom of what really caused it and why the um government was so slow sluggish or resistant to even do anything about it father just bring the truth out is what we pray for that but also, as always, for those who lost everything, God, this may be the only opportunity in their life to surrender to you. Because so many men are like me, they would not ever yield to you or, or look to you and ask unless they were at the bottom of the pit, of the, of the well, and had no other place to look up, God. When we lose everything, even though we're frustrated and angry, sometimes it, it helps us to simply stop looking at the physical and start looking at the spiritual. So God help them and just bless those Christians over there. Help them to minister and and serve God in a phenomenal way and help us to to hear stories of people who who got really saved through this so that something really good can come out from it. So thank you, Father, for this morning, for your love for us and all that you are doing in us. Father, we also want to lift up those that are healing and uh, what a joy it is to see those coming to church that are feeling so much better. Heather, who came the other day, who was, uh, just got out of the hospital. And uh, Jolene, who's feeling so much better, got a report back from her and her neck being healed. That's great, God. Uh, we want to pray for Roberto and Lulu. Been feeling a little bad, and they need some physically, a little sick, and also need some help financially. We want to pray for them. Also for Dean, who's been struggling again, and Kim who um, seems to, her Bartonella, one aspect of one of these viruses is flaring up in her. So, God, we really uh, pray for your mercy upon the Castor lines and their whole family. The girls continue to get over this bacteria. So we want to pray for them and um, people that are just getting over bad colds and things. And your protection on us for this next promised pandemic, I mean pandemic, um, that's coming. Just your protection for all of us, God, that our immune systems would be really, really strong. Keep us, God, alive and keep us healthy so we continue to serve you until you come again. So we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. We will continue to bring these broadcasts forward. Uh, just a, a note, we're going to be doing our best to get the manna for breakfast trimmed down to about 28 minutes because... We've been offered a radio slot in Virginia at Calvary Chapel, Fredericksburg. So we'll be, um, the Manna for Breakfast will be going on FM radio. That's kind of exciting. So we will be, uh, you know, just trimming a little bit and uh, just bear with us as we kind of adjust to this. But thank you. And also, it helps the podcast a lot too to get that right in that the audio podcast, which is edited. And please tell your friends about it and subscribe to it as well as here on the live feed. So, We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.